Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us again here on LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and you're listening to Moving Up the Ladder, your source for great insight into the improvement of your career. For this episode, we're focusing on things like body language and facial expressions, but perhaps we're looking at it in a different way than what you're thinking about. Chelsea Rowe will join us today. She's the Leadership Development Specialist for Kinetics. She also has a background in industrial organizational psychology. So she brings her unique perspective to us in looking at how we can impact our own feelings and evaluations with what we do with our own bodies. Chelsea, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Now, most people listening, I'm sure, you know, they know the importance of the nonverbal communication that occurs in your personal life, in the workspace. But what other interesting facts would you want to bring up maybe regarding nonverbals before we really jump into some of the stuff we're looking at today? Sure. One of the key findings that I think a lot of us forget in our day-to-day is that nonverbals are influencing not only the people that we're interacting with, so they're communicating to others how they should think and feel about us, but that they really communicate inward to ourselves how we ought to be thinking and feeling about ourselves. And that is something we'll get into more detail as far as how that works and, and how that might apply. Do you notice in your experience, maybe your research you've done, do people still underestimate how important or how significant our nonverbal communication really is? Absolutely. I think we've all heard the stats that somewhere between like 30 and 90% of the evaluations that we're making of other people is influenced directly by nonverbal cues. We all like to think that we are really great at managing that day to day. But the reality is that when we're thinking, when we're talking to people, that's not where our attention's going. Our attention's going to what are we going to say next, taking in what's being said by the person we're interacting with, taking notes, all the other other very important pieces, and that tends to go by the wayside. And when that goes by the wayside, we sort of function on autopilot with our nonverbal cues. And usually what that does is just express what's really inwardly going on. And when we're stressed and when we're nervous, that can in turn make us more stressed and more nervous and then communicate that vulnerability to the people that we're interacting with. Sure. Now, not to put you on the spot too much, but do you think there's any particular reason why we ignore or maybe don't take into account those nonverbals as much that we think, hey, the more I speak, the more eloquent I can be, that's really going to send the message across? The reason being that our brains can only focus and handle so much at one time. It's kind of like a processor on your computer. Okay. Our brains are incredible machines that are really able to handle much more than any modern machine, I'd say, that we have been able to create. But you know, in addition to regulating your body, making sure your heart's beating, your lungs are pumping air, your brain's trying to sort through all that imp- important information online active at one time. Just based on the limited resources that your brain has, it has to sort of pick and choose what's most important. Now, you alluded to this earlier as far as nonverbals and the impact it can have, and you touched on the idea that our expressions can actually affect our own feelings and and that inward side of it, as you mentioned. Could you break that down a little bit further for listeners and how that might come into play for us? We typically assume, based on our own experience with our mood, that's largely impacted by the things that are happening to us, the people that we're interacting with. Mm -hmm. Are we having a good day or a bad day? And that sort of impacts how confident we're feeling, how happy, how frustrated or stressed we might be feeling. But the reality is that the position of our bodies, regardless of of what's happening external and what otherwise be influencing how we feel, can actually have a direct impact on our brain chemistry, which to me is a really interesting finding. It impacts our level of testosterone. It impacts our level of cortisol. And in doing so, allow us to either function at a level that, w- that is more stress reactive and mm-hmm. more anxious or with more confidence, with more comfort, with more assertiveness. 
And I'm sure a lot of people can relate in a small way. Maybe they don't even realize that it's happening, but I'm sure they could point to times in their life where they noticed that. And I think for you to be able to put some specific details to that, I think that is nice for people to hear. Let's talk about body posture a little bit because, uh, you know, we hear different things again with how we're communicating something. And as you mentioned now, also how we are feeling ourselves. Can you give us some examples, first of all, of what are considered high power and low power body postures? That's something I came across with an article you wrote. So high power compared to low power is all all about level of comfort and relative openness or closeness. So high power poses, you're going to see somebody who appears to be more relaxed, more confident. They are going to take up more space. So their arms are going to be out from their body typically. Somebody standing, they might have both hands on a table on either side of them compared to somebody who in a low power pose is going to have their arms really stuck to their body. Mm-hmm. Low power pose is somebody's looking guarded, looking very closed, communicates a lot of vulnerability, and often can also communicate lack of confidence, which is not something we want, especially in work context. And it really shows you're sort of collapsing in on yourself. So the less space that somebody's taking up, and the more they are covering themselves up with their arms and with their legs, the more closed and lower power they're going to have. So you see somebody often hunched over. That's another key piece. Are, Mm -hmm. Are you sitting up straight? Are your shoulders squared off with your hips or are you hunched over? Do you have poor posture? Is your hand on your neck? That's a really key sign that somebody's feeling vulnerable compared to high power, arms out, arms on hips, elbows out, legs apart from each other compared to crossed and together. That's fascinating to me. Can you explain if you have an answer to it as far as the hand on the neck and how that shows vulnerability? That's something that tends to come out across primate groups that when we are feeling uncomfortable, we tend to touch ourselves. Hmm. Touching the back of the neck, from what I've read, has been connected to sort of protecting one's protecting one's neck because that's a key area you wouldn't want to have injured. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Now, what other areas might this impact? I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, confidence can be a, a consideration here for ourselves. Is there any other aspect to this that would be impacted as far as our body posture and those high versus low power poses? So it can affect not only our confidence, but it can also affect our overall performance and our ability to get things done effectively. So as I mentioned, these poses influence your cortisol and your testosterone. So testosterone is your assertiveness. Okay. And cortisol has to do with your stress level. If you think about your leaders, you want somebody who is going to be assertive. So you're going to have higher testosterone, but you also want to have somebody who's not going to be tremendously stress reactive. So lower cortisol. And what the research is showing is that folks who are, who are more confident and adopt these poses, these high power poses for only two minutes, tend to have a 20% increase in their testosterone. So they're more assertive and then a 25% decrease in cortisol. So they are, have that more assertive, comfortable and confident with mm-hmm. that less stress reactive and they tend not to shut down. And that's something that we see help folks in job interview settings. Research shows that folks who go into an interview having held some of these poses for just two minutes tend to be rated more as more likable and tend to be rated by folks as people that they want for that job. Right. Well, I think it's really cool to incorporate some science along with, you know, things we hear on a day to day, at least at the work I do and talking about, as you said, interviews and, and some of the uh, the confidence portions of it when you talk to the workplace. So I think it's really cool to, to hear the way those are connected. Now, what was interesting to me, though, is a couple of the power poses that I saw on uh, your article, you had some photos in there on your site. You know, I talked about, as you said, kind of being relaxed in a lot of ways. And we often hear, well, if you're leaning back and you're, you almost seem too relaxed that people think you're not engaged, that instead they'd rather you be you know, sitting up and leaning forward. I feel like there's, sometimes there's a contradiction in there. Is there some sort of, is that just come to the personal 
side of things that each person is different? Or how do you explain that? And in some cases, the relaxed state looks almost disengaged versus in this case, we're talking about that uh, it's really a power pose. And that really comes down to the context. So there are some scenarios, particularly in a job interview, where you're not trying to look dominant mm. to the interview and to, to appear as somebody who's high power, but you also don't want to be somebody who looks completely unconfident and, and incompetent thereby. <laughs> so using these power poses, particularly in those settings, really isn't about bringing these into the job interview and then you know sitting back, putting your feet on the desk and just leaning into it. That's never going to go well. Please don't do that if you have a job interview. It's more about holding that in the time before your interview. Okay. So what do most folks do before an interview? You're sitting, you're hunched over, you're reviewing your, no- your notes, you're checking your phone, trying right. to prepare. And that is inadvertently communicating to your, to your body through your hormones that, hey, I'm feeling a little anxious here. I'm feeling a little less in confidence. And so the key is really going to be sitting back and wearing off those shoulders, taking up a little more space, but be, being aware of your context and not, you know, doing anything inappropriate. And, and you can still, you know, have those high power poses with while looking engaged, leaning forward, but taking up a little more space than you, you might if you were just crossing your arms, right? Sure, sure. Oh, I think that's a great tip too, as far as the people who are waiting for the interview. You're right. I mean, most people are just sitting there and of course there's going to be some nerves anyway, but I think hopefully people listening can try uh, working on those power poses beforehand and help them out before they enter that interview. How about facial expressions as far as, again, affecting our mood? And uh, you know, we haven't touched on the phrase that you use from your article, faking it until you feel it as opposed to making it. How can we affect our moods with facial expressions and how does that all play a role? Facial expressions are similar to body posture. Research shows that if you force a smile, even if you're not feeling that way, mm-hmm. that you actually end up feeling happier. Hmm. The classic example is that the researchers will have a participant hold a pencil between their teeth. And then after two minutes, those people end up feeling happier, regardless of how they were feeling ahead of time. Reason being that you're using the exact same facial expressions that you would use if you were forced to smile. Sure. We also find that if you hold the pencil between your nose and your top lip, then you're going to see a mood decline because you're using the same muscles in your face that you would use to scowl. It is sort of that two-factor that, of course, your mood is going to be impacted by what's happening to you externally, mm-hmm. but holding your face, even if it feels inauthentic, for a small, even for a short period of time, is going to re- result in a change in your mood. Okay. Well, maybe those listening uh, on a Monday morning when maybe they aren't too happy, they can try that. Just throw a pencil between your teeth and, and force yourself to feel better. And that's really how all it is, right? Yeah. And, and if you, and if, you know, at least doesn't make you feel better, at least your colleagues will get a good laugh <laughs> out of you. Right. <laughs> Which then in turn, maybe you'll laugh after that. And exactly. Then, uh, it's just a cycle. <laughs> no, I think it's cool to hear again. I think, uh, you know, hearing some of these little tips are just as beneficial as kind of seeing the big picture we're talking about here today. What issues though, could there possibly be if people quote unquote faking it or selling themselves uh, or others on the fact that they are happy or that they're feeling a certain way? Is there a concern of not acting like yourself or that you're posturing in a different way? Uh, What would your response be to those concerns? We tend to be really great observers when things are inconsistent. So if somebody is angry and they have this goofy smile on our face, that's alarming, right? Mm. That's something that's a little creepy even. (laughs) Uh, But the key thing is with this research, it's not about faking it constantly. Okay. It's really that these impact how you're feeling so that when it is time, for you to perform, whether it's in the job interview or pitching a sale in front of a client, you're not being inauthentic. Really, you're, you're bringing your true self and your ideas, your thoughts and feelings, but you tend to be able to do it more through, that, through a different lens sure. by holding some of these poses and being more aware of the facial expressions that you're having ahead of time and leading up. 
along with that, what would you caution individuals about as far as common mistakes people might make in regard to, again, this idea of nonverbals or the idea of faking it until you feel it? What would you caution them about? My caution would be being aware of who you're interacting with. Hmm. There are always power dynamics. We, we tend to um, mirror people that we like. So you might notice if you're, if you're really jiving on a conversation you're having, you'll, you'll start to do this, some of the same things with your body. Somebody crosses their arms, you, a couple minutes later, you'll cross your arms. They move their hand to the left, you do the same thing. Right. But with power, it tends to be a little bit different. Rather than mirroring, we tend to see dyads form where you have a high power party and a low power person. As somebody gets higher power, somebody's going to get lower power. Now, if you're in an argument or a disagreement, say, with your boss, <laughs> and that person's taking on a higher power pose, probably mm-hmm. not the most appropriate thing for you to then puff up <laughs> your chest, take up more room. That's only going to inflate up the argument or the conversation you're having. Sure. So being aware of when you don't want to appear challenging with those poses. Right. And I appreciate you. You've mentioned that a couple of times now, of course, being aware not only of your own feelings, but the situation at hand and who you're dealing with. That's probably just as as important as far as what we've been talking about today. Absolutely. Well, again, Chelsea, I think you've given us some really cool information and some nice tips on as far as hopefully helping us in our careers and uh, whether it be we're trying to get a job or in our workplace already. Any last pieces of advice you'd want to give our listeners regarding the ideas of nonverbals and how we can use it to our advantage? Sure. Keep in mind that, again, what you're thinking, what you're feeling is impacting how you're holding your body and you can use that as a tool to the reverse. So feeling unconfident, feeling nervous about something, change your body posture, change your facial expressions, and you might actually help what you're trying to achieve. She is Chelsea Rowe, Leadership Development Specialist for Kinetics. And again, we've been talking today about body language, facial expressions, how we can actually impact our own feelings and mood, and some really good tips that uh, Chelsea has given us today. Chelsea, thanks for joining us on the show. We do appreciate it. Thanks again, Tim. Had a fun time. Now, if you are looking to get in touch with us, maybe some feedback from this show, or you want to give us some ideas for a future topic, send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter if you'd like. You can find us at the LJN. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>